apart from isolated showers in the next couple of days. Still, some showers over the weekend. The temperature is now 29 degrees and the humidity is 77%. The news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jenny Lam and our co-presenter today is Janice Wong. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, Jenny. On today's programme, we'll be looking at mental health and the elderly. A new study has found that the number of suicides among senior citizens has risen to a record high last year. According to the concerned group Samaritan Befrienders Hong Kong, more than 40% of the 1,080 suicides reported in 2022 were of people aged 60 or over, the highest since records began in 1973. The group says Hong Kong's ageing population is a factor, as is the impact of the COVID pandemic, as well as inadequate family support for seniors. Is there enough support for the elderly in Hong Kong? How can they get the care and attention they need? What support services are available to them now? And after 9.45, we'll be speaking to an expert to find out what we can do about children who don't exercise enough. So let us know what you think. You can leave us a message here on our Facebook page, email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. And joining us this morning, we have Clarence Tang, who's the Executive Director of uh, Samaritan Befrienders. Good morning, Mr. Zhang. Good morning. Morning. And we have Jean Wu, who's Emeritus Professor of Medicine at the Chinese University's Jockey Club Institute of Aging. Good morning, Professor Wu. Oh, good morning. Morning. Um, so, uh, Mr. Zhang, yep. what kind of what kind of calls or help are you getting at the Samaritans? Well, uh, sorry. Uh could you please uh, repeat your question? So we, so we're we're talking about the increasing number of elderly people who yep. are committing suicides. At the Samaritans, do you get calls for help for people who feel that you know they they are having suicidal thoughts and please help them? Uh, we 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 of course uh, receive a lot of calls from uh, people with uh, suicidal thoughts, but the fact is that uh, the elderly people do not uh, you know call for help a lot. Uh, you know, because uh, Chinese people, uh, the elderly, um, are kind of reluctant to, to access uh, uh, help from um, organizations like us. Okay. So what do you think is contributing to this increasing number of elderly people who choose to take their lives? Um, aging population is, of course, one of the, uh, pub, uh, uh, the reasons, you know, uh, when Hong Kong is getting uh, uh, an aging population, uh, we have more and more elderly people uh, and without uh, much support uh, um, from the families and uh, you know they, they just lack of uh, social network and uh, they know that's the reason you know they they, they kind of uh, um, like having um, you know um, economic problem the they lack of uh, this uh, the support from the families and all that kind of stuff yeah I mean, I mean the families uh, you know the families they haven't changed they haven't stopped supporting the elderly people what contributed to the worsening of these numbers why, why is there an increase um you know the medical system in hong kong is also one reason you know it's it's rather weak and uh, our um, elderly people, uh, we, if they have, um, you know, um, 
you know, sickness that uh, they, they always have to wait for a long time. Uh, they kind of think that they, they, they are a kind of burden to the, uh, uh, the society, their families, you know. And uh, this is, uh, you know, uh, kind of a, a pressure to them, too. Professor Wu, would you agree the healthcare system is a problem? Um, well, I, I think uh, what you describe is, is not a recent thing. I mean, all over the world, the, the rate of elderly suicide is always the highest, um, higher than, than younger people, and yet nobody ever talks about the elderly. Um, they always focus on, if you look at the media, they always talk about uh, younger people. But, but the fact is they've always been the highest uh, in, in the population. And um, the recent rise, uh, I, I don't know whether you just look at one year. Of course, we, we've just had COVID and, and, I mean, the whole society is a bit traumatized by that. So that, that, that might explain it. But, but I think it's the underlying background that there has always been this huge problem and nobody ever talks about it. And uh, so it's a whole societal problem. And the, there are many, many factors. I mean, older people in general, they drop out of society and they internalize this kind of idea that nobody cares. Um, it's not just medical. I mean, of course, as you get older, you, you tend to have various issues. And the, the point is you don't know whom, whom to go for help. You know, it could, it could just be suddenly there's a new rule and then you need to go somewhere to apply for something and they don't know how to do it. Uh, or they, they want to go to the bank and there's always a long queue and they want to get high interest for their deposit. I mean, I mean it's, it's very negative, the whole of our, our society. Um, and um, I, I think that there are people that help them uh, and they are based mainly based in, in the neighborhood of where they live. You know, they, they know about it. But if you ask them to phone certain people, or go somewhere, they, 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 they wouldn't do it. So I think a, a whole network of support, um, the, a lot of the NGOs are doing great stuff in this direction. I mean, for example, um, it's not the health, it's not just accessing health, accessing doctors, because they, they don't really help, because when people get suicidal, uh, it, it's not, it mainly, um, it's a situation that they find themselves that uh, drugs or talking to a doctor won't, won't help. Um, f for example, this statistics that, did you know that as the weather gets hotter and hotter with each rise, degree rise in temperature, the number of elderly suicide increases and uh, the, the increase is mitigated if you live closer to uh, an NGO center. Now to me, that says it's an environmental, a situational problem that we can certainly help, help, help. And it's not by seeing doctors or talking to mental health professionals about how you deal with things. It's actually helping solve problems, very practical problems. Right. And I think that would be very effective.
And uh, before we continue our discussion, uh, just a reminder that uh, if you or someone you know needs support, there are several hotlines available. You can uh, call the Samaritans on 2896-0000 or 2382-0881 for suicide prevention services, hotline for the elderly. And of course, you can call Samaritan Befrienders 24-hour emotional support hotline on 2389-2222. Is that correct, uh, Mr. Chang? Yeah. Okay. And uh, just going back to what you were talking about earlier about how many elderly people they're not willing to uh, get help. Um, how can we change that? Uh, I think it's not easy because you know traditionally Chinese uh, people uh, have the thoughts that uh, uh, they don't want to you know give any burden to other people. Um, um, it's not easy to change that. We do a lot of education, uh, public education, but uh, it, it doesn't help a lot uh, for the elderly. The, the only thing we can do is uh, enhance our neighborhood support. That would be uh, a very nice way to help uh, the elderly people. Um, um, when, when, you know, they, they don't want to, to seek for help themselves, we got to uh, connect them. And uh, that's the way, you know. We, we can do something. You know, uh, the Society for Community Organisations, SOCO, has suggested to run a pilot scheme, getting local women um, who don't go to work, housewives basically, to, to um, act as sort of community nannies, visiting elderly people who live at home, helping, helping them with their shopping, with going to the doctors. What do you think of that idea, Mr Zhang? Yeah. Well, that would be great, uh, uh, and I'm sure this will uh, make our elderly people being connected. And uh, when they are, they are distressed, they can have someone to talk to. Uh, you know, it's always uh, uh, you know uh, having someone to to listen to their problems that can um, uh, you know alleviate their their distress. Yeah, Professor Wu, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> I, I think that if, if they don't reach out, then you reach in, and all, all these schemes are, are great. Uh, uh, but uh, I think we have to be <clears throat> thinking about things other than talking to them, listening to their problems, or actually help them solve their problems. Because from our, what, what, what we've done in the community, when people are not happy, uh, they're not happy because of very specific issues, like uh, they have to care for a spouse who's who's demented or disabled and they can't really cope, they don't have enough money, they don't know whom to get for help. I mean, really practical issues. And I think we, we need to tell them that there is a solution. Otherwise, just going there and, and talking to them is not going to be particularly helpful, although it will be helpful in general in, in the sense that you show that somebody cares. So I think there's this practical element. Uh, and, and then there are people who have... Um, Pain. Pain is the other thing that they, they ache all over for whatever reasons, and they see many doctors, and and you know, it never gets better. So that's another thing that some physical, chronic condition that uh, makes them think, well, what am I going to do? And we, we've got to tackle these things, and there there are various uh, group activities that one can one can can do. So so I think talking obviously is is help, helpful, but helping them solve practical problems because I've seen lots of people get very unhappy uh, because of these problems and, and the, the key really is to solve them. Solve them then they're okay. Um, you know, Hong Kong already has um, some of the you know, longest lifespan in, in the world. Um, 
And traditionally, Chinese families do live with uh, the elderly people. But do we know currently how many percent of people over a certain age are living on their own? And is that increasing? Do you know, Professor Wolf? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the census probably has, has that data. But actually, uh, I think uh, my, my impression is that it can be as high as uh, up to one third. So it's just not just living alone, people living with spouse and, and uh, rather than the family. And this proportion is increasing. And, and so the, the issue is um, a lot of these old people, they don't want to live a long life. They just want to, to be able to cope and be independent, not dependent on others. And we are, the statistics of, I mean, are we extending our health span is not there. And, and the isolated studies show that it's we're not extending health span, we're expanding total lifespan. And that means there's an increasing absolute number of people who need help. And we, we have not really talked about that or devised policy to deal with this issue. We don't even have government statistics for this. Okay, so, so we have a, a post, an email from a listener, Henry, um, and he says, there are many, many reasons for suicide among elderly. In many cases, their children have either emigrated or live separately and can, can't or do not visit them, often due to family or work reasons. Living expenses is going up weekly and fast food restaurants and rent um, and cheap rent, that, that's no longer true. Their health deteriorate and they seldom go out, creating a vicious cycle. And Henry says that his 85-year-old uncle said when his wife, suffering from Alzheimer's disease, got into such a state and that he can't take care of her anymore, he will commit suicide. He has no one to talk to other than her, his daughter, who is busy, um, and, and the helper. And then Henry also says his 84-year-old aunt living alone fell a few times in her home. She can't go to buy grocery, and she has only, admit, has only just been admitted to a home um, for the aged after her son came back from Canada. Um, and she had said, life is not worth living. I mean, that's, that's very grim. Um, uh, that, Mr. that about sums up the situation. Very accurate portrayal. That's my experience, too. The, the point is, who, who's talked about it? And you know, sometimes you get sensational articles in the newspaper about uh, murder-suicide, and that's tip of the iceberg, right? I mean, I mean, you cannot rely on family. It's a myth that family takes care of their own because they can't, because they've got to earn a living. The living space is very small. We can't do that anymore. So what, what are some of the solutions that you think might be possible? We, we have got to... Uh, well, various prongs. We, we've got to reach out. We've got to identify people living alone. We've got to do general public education about how they can maintain their independence, what services are available, um, uh, uh, really uh, targeting them. And then their neighborhood. There are lots of NGOs all over the place, also district health centers. And we, we've got to make sure that these organizations are supporting people like that uh, and also there are um, certain day care facilities where day where you can do a bit of rehabilitation socialize uh, do group activities that help a lot I mean these things have been shown to be effective we just haven't um, uh, developed it 
uh, that much. Uh, the, the whole the narrative is into illness, sickness, chronic illness, uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, and so on. But I think from the point of view of older people, which Henry has described, there is a different, has to be a different solution. Um, so we, we need to work it out. I mean, th there are possibilities. Uh, lots of people are doing great stuff, uh, isolated in different parts of Hong Kong. But we need a cohesive, uh, centralized uh, policy. We need to advertise this more. I mean, I, it, it's not that you don't have enough money. Even if you have enough money, you still don't know where to get help because the, the only channel is going to see the, the private doctor, you see. And they, they live in a clinic. And how, how can they help your social things? The whole system is totally disjointed. All right. So, so Professor Wu, so what you're talking about is uh, the creation of a more age-friendly society where um, everyone can participate in community activities and no matter how old they are. Is that uh, what you're thinking? Well, um, yeah, an age-friendly environment, which includes um, uh, an element where you don't neglect people. Now, if, if you... If, I think we're, we're neglecting older people, these problems that we see if we work in certain sectors, we see day after day, terrible. Uh, it's a form of ageism because, I mean, somehow they're invisible. I mean, they, they don't come up for any discussion or anything. I mean, uh, is it the responsibility of social welfare department? Or is it the health people? And there is a there is a social welfare system though that does um, target uh, at the the elderly population, isn't there? For example, you can you can enroll in their system. You can use uh, the daycare. You can you can uh, you know. Uh, Put your name no. down for for a place in an institution. Eventually, that that kind of stuff that is available, though. Yeah, but that's a system. What? How? How does that help people that Henry described? You see, you you got to have. They need to know what to do. So it. Um, we we need to tell people, older people themselves, what they need to do, where to go, and at the same time, the community has to provide uh, targeted responsive services now, there's some some good initiative that that, that, that are uh, okay because there, there are things like uh, money follows the patient the vouchers right yes. so, but then we need to de develop services that help people and um, uh, and then the, we talk about the 18 district caring teams, volunteers, and so on. That's also good because then you outreach and you find people, and we can find them. Individual big NGOs have their own scheme, and that's pretty good with their members. They, they reach out and they, they visit them and help them with various things. Uh, so it's good that the social sector is now doing a whole lot of health care stuff, whereas the medical sector is uh, discharging people into the community. And um, I think that more, more uh, there should be a coordinated system to look after the, the social aspects, not just focus on individual diseases. We tend to still focus on individual diseases. Is that the mental well-being you're, you're talking about, not just, uh, well, you know, no, just physical? Well, no, blood pressure and diabetes, for example. We're still obsessed with that. But what is mental well-being? No, no, nobody is kind of saying, well, how, how do we do that, except chat to them.
Yeah. Uh, but but as we heard that these people tend not to phone up to uh, to any hotlines. They don't phone up hotlines, right? So uh, the help that they need has to be practical. And I think there are a lot of good initiatives developing. But I I, I just want to make the point that we've got to develop more of that and make it known to everybody. Um, so people, as they get older, they know about these things and, and how to, well, maybe do do things that prevent the decline into dependency. I mean, there's a lot of things we can do. Right. And Mr. Zhang, what, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, Professor Wu, she's suggesting a more centralized, a more coordinated approach uh, to, to tackle this problem. But uh, is it uh, enough to just uh, focus on the elderly when we, when we deal with this problem? I mean, uh, like uh, our listeners uh, email Henry, who's talking about an elderly person who, who can only talk to his helper or his daughter who's always busy. I mean... Maybe there are some uh, children that want to take care of their parents, but they are really just too busy. Well, the thing is, you know, a lot of carers are also having a lot of uh, issues themselves. So uh, the support to carers uh, are also is, is also not enough uh, nowadays. Uh, I would say, you know, it's a it's kind of a structural problem that we're dealing with, you know, in, including aging population, lack of manpower in the medical system. With the deficiencies of the elderly care services, uh, you know, the immigration tie, the lack neighborhood watch and social network, you know, we are dealing with not only a problem, but a bunch, a whole bunch of problems uh, here. So I think, you know, the, the government, um, you know, has to think in a macro way, a policy that can really, you know, help the elderly above, uh, the, the, the elderly to have a better life in Hong Kong. It, it, it's, it's a whole bunch of things that we have to deal with. Right. So Henry also mentioned that he he thought that uh, many families have left Hong Kong. They've emigrated, yeah. and and the elderly people yeah. are are here on their own. Is that is that something that you've come across, Mr. John? Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. Tell us this about is a it. Problem. Yeah, uh, we have uh, cases where you know uh, the elderly people are, um, are single here in Hong Kong, along you know with their spouse passed away already, and the children just left them. Uh, um, you know, there are two reasons because, you know, um, the elderly may, may just do not want to go with uh, the, the children to uh, immigrate to other countries uh, as, you know, they will have an adaptation problem or, you know, the, the children just do not want to go uh, with them, all right, leave them uh, here alone in Hong Kong. So, uh, you know, they they just now lack of any family support, you know, and and this is uh, a very big problem to them. So, what I mean, people live in very close quarters in Hong Kong. Um, does that does that help in any way to to not just not just elderly people, but people who have suicidal tendency? Does what what can a community like a public housing estate or or any kind of housing estate do to help these people who are so desperately alone? Well, I think uh, it's, it's always developing a, a good neighborhood uh, that would help. But uh, uh, the thing is, you know, a lot of elderly people uh, are kind of, you know, hidden elderly. They just don't want to connect with others, you know. Uh, that is a problem that we have to, uh, to deal with. Um, you know, the, the one living next to them uh, can help to, you know, just uh, ask their uh, situations, you know, go to visit them once in a while, you know, give them some kind of, you know, yeah, support and, and you know, food or whatever. 
let them know that there, there was someone who cared about them, you know, that could help a lot. And really, suicide is a result of, of uh, severe depression, isn't it? Is, it, is that, am, am I correct, Mr. Zhang? Uh, this is one of the reasons, but uh, you have to know that uh, a lot of people suicide not because they have mental illness. What, what are some of the other reasons? It's, it's not... Well, they just have uh, uh, practical problems that they cannot deal with, you know. They, 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 they are not uh, having any mental illness at all. Okay. Um, what, about, what about you, Professor Wu? Do you, do you think yeah, that... I think, I think that's the, the, the most important message Mr. Zhang raised, you see. The, 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 the natural assumption is that you commit suicide, you have mental illness. But the point is, with older people, it's, it's not that they themselves, there's something wrong with them. Okay. It's, it's the, re, the, the environment, the unsupportive environment, which we can do something about. Okay, let's, let's, let's hold that thought. Uh, we're coming up um, to the news, but uh, the weather now is mainly fine, apart from a few isolated showers. It's very hot during the day today. The maximum temperature will be around 33 degrees in the urban areas and a couple of degrees higher in the new territories. There'll be light winds and the outlook is for very hot Weather, apart from a few isolated showers over the next couple of days, the current temperature is now 29 degrees, humidity 73%. And here's the news with Mira Kerwin. Criminal charges have been laid against Donald Trump in a third case. A grand jury indicted the former U.S. president in connection with his efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election results. Before the indictment was made public, Mr. Trump accused the special counsel of deliberately delaying charges to interfere with next year's presidential election. A climate change researcher says torrential rain and flooding in Beijing has taken residents by surprise after a weeks-long heat wave. Military helicopters have been deployed to take supplies to stricken communities in the capital after a month's worth of rain fell in one day. Dozens of people were killed, and dozens more are missing in the floods. An educator has expressed shock that more than half of teachers failed an English written proficiency attest. About 1,500 teachers sat the annual exam. A third of them also failed the oral component. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. The Occupational Safety and Occupational Health Legislation Miscellaneous Amendments Ordinance 2023 is in effect. The maximum penalty has been raised to a $10 million fine and two years imprisonment for serious contraventions. Employers, employees and other duty holders should work together to prevent accidents. Complying with Occupational Safety and Health Legislation is a shared obligation for employers and employees. The provisional registers and the emissions lists have been released on August 1st. Check your registration particulars and your new district council geographical constituency at vr.gov.hk. Contact the registration and electoral office if you have any questions. Got a reminding letter to confirm your elector status? Reply by email, post or fax to keep your registration standing. The deadline is August 25th. Act now. For inquiries, call 2891-1001. 
So welcome back to Backchat. Uh, this morning we're talking about the increasing number of elderly people who choose to take their lives. And with us um, on the line we have Clarence Jung, who's the Executive Director of Samaritan Befrienders. Also joining us is Terry Lom. Um, he's a Henry G. Leon Professor in Social Work and Social Administration at Hong Kong University. Um, Terry Lom, before the break, we were talking about uh, the link between mental health and mm -hmm. suicides. And Mr. Jung pointed out that not all people who choose to take their lives have a mental health problem. They mm -hmm. are simply going through some periods that they just cannot cope. What are your mm. thoughts on that? Oh, yes. I think mental health definitely is one of the major causes for suicide. However, we could also should not um, kind of exclude men. Some older people are also facing a lot of chronic health problems and chronic pain, which is also a major contribution uh, to suicide. Chronic pain, elaborate on uh -huh. that. They, they, they just have some physical illness that really yes, is not yes. manageable. Actually, chronic pain is quite common among older people. And many of them actually are not treatable, or at least in Hong Kong, we don't have the specialties to really helping people to treat with uh, chronic pain. Actually, in my research team, uh, we, po we also explore the co-occurrence of chronic pain and depression. And we found out a large number of older people who are facing or having chronic pain actually are also having um, depression. So uh, chronic pain, a few physical illness, and then depression are hand in hand. And then when older people are facing both chronic pain and um, depression, their suicidal risks are much higher. What can be done about that? Is a medication that can help these people? Actually, both medication and non-pharmacological intervention are helpful. Uh, medication, you know, in Hong Kong, I think uh, the healthcare sector pretty much ignore chronic pain among older people. So we do not have that specialty. And when older people go to see, for example, geriatrician, they usually look into their, their uh, cardiovascular, their other organs. But chronic pain, a lot of them, they cannot pinpoint specific organ. So there is no, there is not a specialty right, in Hong Kong really uh, help people to cope with chronic pain. And so uh, medication helps some people if they can identify the cause of chronic pain. But uh, psychotherapy also are helpful. So in my research team, actually, we provide uh, efficiency and commitment therapy uh, to people who are having chronic pain. And we found it is quite effective uh, to help them to deal with chronic pain too. All right. I just want to go back to uh, Clarence Jung, Mr. Jung. Yeah. Um, before the news, you were talking about uh, hidden elderly people. I mean, that's uh, that's actually quite a quite a big problem because, of course, if uh, elderly people they uh, want to to get help and they seek help, then that's uh, um, easier to deal with. But then these hidden elderlies, um, how I mean, how can we find them? I mean, what's being done right now to, to identify well, them? Well, they're everywhere, in a sense, you know. They're, they're just living near to us. Uh, it's just whether we want to, um, you know, contact them or not, um, you know, it's, it's not difficult at all, I would say. Um, Professor Lum, you, mm -hmm. you're talking about chronic pain. Can you elaborate on that? What, what are some of the what are some of the causes of these chronic pain? I mean, are you talking arthritis? Are you talking something more severe? And do in in other areas outside Hong Kong, is this mm -hmm. better managed? Yes, you know, in in Hong in <coughs> excuse me, in Hong Kong, it, it, uh, I mean, degenerative diseases such as you know the the, the joint degeneration, the muscle. 
uh, one of the causes, uh, major causes for chronic pain. Other, like for example, you know, the differences between chronic pain and other pain is in chronic pain, it usually use lasts for much longer. And a lot of time, they cannot identify the, the reason for having such pain. So some of them may be symptom. For example, they lost a hand, but they still feel uh, they have the pain uh, right there. So um, we do not have enough research on chronic pain, particularly in Asian um, population. Um, it is quite consistent. Even for my mother, you also have a joint problem with her leg, which is also quite painful. John, the, the knee, the, the knee joint as well as the, the muscle on her leg. But um, it is very difficult to treat, and she seeks medical attention regularly. But I don't think she got any specialties in that area too. So it significantly affects her emotion as well as you know um, the way her quality of life, which make. Uh, uh, you know, living uh, less kind of, you know, uh, you know, which really um, make her think about whether, you know, living is something worth to continue. Yeah, and, and obviously we know that in Hong Kong, if you if you co- go to public health care, you could mm-hmm. be waiting for a long time before that yes. appointment. Um, yes. So is, is, is this sort of an, an equity in a way? If you can afford it, you can go to private health care and therefore mm-hmm. alleviate that pain. Is, is that the situation we're talking about? Oh, definitely, particularly for you know, uh, the older people who are, you know, the lower in, lower in socioeconomic status. And also, you know, uh, I think it is not only chronic pain, even for um, uh, mental health, right? The accessibility of healthcare is a huge issue in Hong Kong for older people. Uh, not only, uh, so the, the payment, the financial challenge is one, and then even for people who are depending on the public sector, I mean the waiting time is way too long. Okay, well, uh, Clarence Zhang, you talked a lot about how it's really about people looking for looking out for each other in a neighborhood. Um, you know, when I was researching the story, I came across these sort of uh, dementia villages, which exist in Netherlands and Canada, mm-hmm. Norway, Australia. Basically, elderly people who have dementia, they live in houses that are like five or six people together which resemble a family and therefore the and then and then the whole village is managed by people who are trained in um, elderly care do you see that as a positive thing oh yes of course uh, it's really a positive thing uh, but I'm not sure if the uh, government uh, of Hong Kong would like to think about it. Uh, you know, we have a lot of uh, public housing, um, you know, premises uh, for the elderly available uh, that can uh, be, uh, you know, kind of transformed into this kind of uh, living place for the elderly, living together and with uh, helpers. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a good way to, to deal with this problem. Okay, um, so we are talking about this morning um, suicides among the elderly, and so again, uh, if you need, if you have having suicidal thoughts, and you know someone who is, you can reach out to the Samaritans on two eight nine six double zero double zero, or there's also a suicide prevention service uh, hotline, which is two three eight two double zero. Double zero, um, Mr. Zhang. Who who are the people? So you, you you did mention that elderly people tend not to call the hotline. Do their yeah. families? Sorry. Do do their families? Do you, do you get 
families who reach out to you and say, hey, you know, my elderly mom or, or, or dad um, is having suicidal thoughts and I, and I don't know who, who actually reach out to them. We do get some calls from their family members, uh, but not a lot. Not okay. a lot. That's the problem, you know, because uh, uh, as I've said, you know, many of these elderly are uh, singleton. Uh, they 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 do not have family support, um, so they don't even have a family member to call us for help. Right. And, and how does your hotline work? I mean, when uh, when elderly calls your hotline and uh, maybe he or she has a suicidal thoughts, what's your follow up action? Well, if we receive a call from an elderly people, uh, from an elderly person with uh, suicidal thoughts, uh, of course our, our volunteer will uh, try to, uh, you know, talk to them and uh, see what we can uh, see, see if his emotion can be uh, relieved a bit. If his suicidal thought is serious, uh, we will uh, refer the case to our uh, suicide crisis intervention center, where our counselor will follow up the case for at least six or even eight weeks or even longer, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, this is the way that we, we help them. So you talk to them. Do you, is, there, is there any way of moving them out into a, a safer environment, basically that they're not left alone anymore? Uh, not really. We, we don't have that kind of uh, services. But uh, if there are other services out there uh, provided from other NGOs, we will refer them to, to these, these NGOs. Professor Lam, what do you, what do mm -hmm. you think? Le leaving elderly people, or mm -hmm. in fact anybody who who is who has suicidal tendencies alone, is a very dangerous thing, isn't yes. it? Yes, no, totally agree. So I think uh, we need to bring the services to where the older people are. So actually, in Hong Kong right now, in all the 18 districts, we have services that kind of coordinate the services provided by the elderly center as well as the mental health center to provide outreach services for older people who have a depression as well as a suicidal risk. Uh, and also another problem we have in Hong Kong is if you want to um, move to a home for the elderly, mm -hmm. that's a very long wait, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, about three years. It is way too long. So what do you think can be done meanwhile when, when people are having these problems and they're on their own or, or they need help you know, within mm -hmm. days, not three years? Actually, we have been advocating for having you know, a district-based uh, 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 care management center, which for any older people or their family member, if they find out for some way, case like what you talked about, loneliness, living alone with um, you know, uh, poor health, uh, they should be able to approach uh, the center, the care management center in the district, and then get exactly the services they need within the district. So, so I mean, the services need to be more bottom up, and it needs to be in the community of where all the people are. Right. And, and earlier, um, Professor Lam, I was like uh, asking uh, Mr. Jung about hidden mm -hmm. elderlies, um, mm -hmm. and, and he said they are not uh, difficult to identify. I mean, mm -hmm. from from your experience, do you know if many many uh, many uh, hidden elderly are are being identified and being uh, offered help? Yes, I, I think once again it needs to be much more bottom up. So, for example, in in, in our program, uh, the JC Joyce uh, program. We trained more than 3,000 older people in the community. So about more than 200 older people in the community as volunteers. So we trained their mental health first aid, and we trained them how to do a quick assessment. And they, they, they know the older people, where the uh, older people are. They know who are living alone. 
So actually, they can knock on the door if are their neighbors. So they can do a much bottom-up approach to help identify older people who are living alone, who are high risk for depression as well as suicide. And then they will be able to connect them back to where services are. So instead of much top-down driven by social worker or professional, actually we need to mobilize our society and give them the resources as well as the needed training and provide one stop, no one door, district-based care management center to really help them. If we are able to connect the professional services with a much more bottom-up, you know, uh, 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 community-based services, I think we will make a big difference. Okay. Um, one of our listeners, Mike, is saying, isn't it strange that you don't have any elderly people contributing to this current discussion? And he thinks we're ignoring them. But therein lies a problem is reaching out to the elderly people. And we would love to hear from anybody um, who feel that they want to contribute to our program. But uh, we're going to wrap up that discussion right now. Thank you very much, Clarence Jung from the Samaritan Defenders and Henry and Terry Lum uh, with the Social Work and Social Administration Department um, at Hong Kong University. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88266 and have your say. And so now we're going to be talking about poor physical fitness among Hong Kong uh, young people. So an NGO says that many children and teenagers are simply not doing enough sport, especially uh, since the pandemic. So the Boys and Girls Clubs Association of Hong Kong, they ask 800 children uh, between 6 and 17 years old about how active they are. And they found that more than 70% fail to do an hour of moderate exercise to physical activity a day. And so from joining us from the Boys and Girls Association, we have Billy Lau, and he's the executive director there. Billy Lau, tell us a little bit more about your findings. Okay, thank you for having me this morning. Good morning, everyone. And uh, let me introduce... um, our latest finding for first of all we, we talk about physical um, activity levels for the children first as you just said and more than 70 percent of, of children's physical activity time does not met the WHO guideline and they spend less time doing sports than before pandemic so three years ago we have a they have a longer time for for activity but now they have a shorter time and um, Children who play sports for longer time also have higher levels of happiness and satisfaction, and half of the children want to increase their physical activity, but they lack time, their news, and companions. And another, another focus we are focusing on is about um, parent-child um, sports. And uh, we found that uh, half of the children are eager to do sports with their parents, but only 20 to 30 percent uh, of them had uh, parent-child sports with father and mother and during the past week. And um, uh, over 40% of the kids uh, think that parent-child sports can help to build their sports habits. And of course, and, and, and another finding we find it very important is that uh, parent-child sports are positively related to parent-child closeness or what we call intimacy, as well as the child, uh, children's happiness and life satisfaction. I mean, the, the question to ask is, are the parents doing any physical exercises themselves? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so what do you suggest can be done about the situation? Yeah, um, well, um, well uh, our recommendation uh, for, to the parents and schools, and um, uh, one, of, one of the important things that we, we need to advocate is that uh, we, we advocate increasing uh, family support to children 
and and parent-child sports. And uh, of course, for for the parents, if possible, they can be a role model of the sports if they are more engaged in in sports, and uh, is more useful or is more uh, has more effect on on increasing the child's. Um, uh, engaging in sports also, and it's also good for them because uh, uh, we all we all we all need to do some sports in order to be healthy, right? Yeah. And um, and uh, and um, the it's better it's better for the parents to discuss with children and arrange suitable sports for them. So arrange more group sports or team sports so that they can increase their motivation and persistence to facilitate their social development, and uh, and. Um, and of course, as I said, accompanying children to play parent-child sports is, is also important. So this is our advice for, for parents. And uh, for the school also, we can also balance the time between academic studies and physical activities. So make good use of a sports education, a physical education lesson time, or adjust the homework or examination or test. Uh, because many of the kids told us that uh, they don't have enough time, and uh, and the parents told us that they they spend well, they a lot of time. They should have the time now. It's so some holidays. They're not doing any yeah. homework. Yeah, but but um, well, we have to balance that. But they have uh, holiday homework or some. Sometimes we have extra exercise for that. Holiday so. homework. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is Hong Kong. <laughs> All right. And Mr. Lau, what about the uh, role of uh, the government? I mean, I know uh, the uh, Leisure and Cultural Services Department, they'll hold a, a sport for all day uh, later this week on August the 6th. And uh, I mean, that's when a series of recreation and sports programs will be offered and uh, many facilities will be open to the public for free. Should there be more of these uh, kind of uh, sports for all days during the year? Well, I think this is very useful to encourage families to to, to engage in sports. And uh, but of course, we have many um, uh, important events in Hong Kong. But how can we make use of that to facilitate or encourage uh, children or family to join sports and not just watching and they can engage or they can play together also? So we can make use of such uh, big events such as um, Dragon Boat Festival or or cross harbor swimming, we can have some uh, tasting program or something like that on this. And of course, we can encourage more more organizations just like us, and, and we, are, we, we have a lot of uh, sports activities engaging the young people or the families so that they can play sports together. Yeah, of course there is a, a question of cost, isn't it? I mean, if you can afford it, you know, you can send your children to, to fancy Classes, summer camps. Yeah. Uh, the, the young children who, who are maybe at home, you know, just with their older brothers and sisters, they need an adult to bring them to these activities. Now, what do you think can be done to reach out to these children who say, I'd love to go out and play, it's just that nobody's taking me? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, so that's our role. And uh, we have centers and children and youth centers all around the territories. And there were many, uh, many centers like us who are ready to take the kids out. And, uh, and in fact, uh, we have organized a lot of activities uh, related to sports or outdoor or adventure activities that is very popular now, especially after the pandemic. So, so just come to us and, uh, and uh, you, may, you may find something you like. Okay, so we have our listener, Henry, um, yeah. who, who's uh, written in and he says, many children don't exercise enough and he thinks that the government and their parents should do more, which is what you've been talking about. The government does not drive enough the message that children must exercise. On the other hand, the parents are over safety conscience. 
resulting in not allowing the kids to do or try games or exercise. He's also saying that we have seen many children who are getting obese. Diabetes is now more common in teens, often the result of not exercising enough or excess eating developed from childhood. Do you find that to be true in the Boys and Girls Association? More children basically obese and developing chronic diseases like diabetes? Well, uh, we do have an exact figure, but uh, we found that actually from, from our result is that children are being less and less active. And, um, and uh, what we, we are doing to counter that, uh, well, the, the, the reason behind maybe is, is, is much more attraction, other kind of attraction uh, and, and when compared with before, for example, they have uh, TV games, they have electronic games, they have uh, many things to be engaged. And uh, so, so what we're thinking is that uh, how can we be more attractive in our activities? So we try many new types of sports and, uh, and uh, many of the, of the sports and uh, it's, it's not very expensive. For example, we can have a bouncing ball which can bounce in unexpected direction. Then uh, how can you play with that? It's, it's just the skills. It's, it's not about the space. It's not about the cost. And uh, there were many, many, many new types of sports that is not limited by such a constraint. So, so we are trying to push uh, this kind of new sports and uh, so that they can they can bring it back to home or to, to play with their brothers and sisters. So um, of course, of course, and uh, we have to do something uh, very safe. And uh, and safety is first. After otherwise, we we can't have have good health or good sports, right? Do you do you find that many parents are are very scared that the children might be hurt when playing sports when when they join your activities? I think. Um, Breathing for, 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 for parents is very important to let them know that what, is, what the sport is about and, uh, and how can they play it safely and uh, how, what we have done to, to safeguard them from being uh, hurt and how can they save themselves, and which is more important than that. What, is, what are some of the activities that the Boys and Girls Association is, is offering over the summer? Oh, yes. Uh, we have many activities, mainly outdoor activities. And uh, for example, we have, um, we have uh, outdoor camps, which is uh, full of adventure activities. And our social workers or, or tutors or trainers were there to be with them, playing that some, some were uh, on, a, on a hill and for hiking and some were on water. And uh, we have a campsite also, so, so that we can organize many activities outdoor. And of course, for indoor, we have uh, something like what we call Nerf gun or new types of sports. And there were many games we, we tried to bring them to the kids so that they can bring back to, to their home and to their friends. All right. And uh, Mr. Lau, I mean, earlier, I want, I want to go back to your, yeah. your survey findings. Yeah. Um, you mentioned how uh, the level of physical activity and happiness of, uh, uh, of children and teenagers in Hong Kong um, will go up. I mean, if they do more sports, they're more happy. Um, how does it compare? I mean, how does that compare to other places around the world? Oh, we, we don't have uh, this kind of, of, of figure on hand, but I believe that um, 
the the happiness level in Hong Kong is is not the best one in the world. So um, so we're trying to bring it a more balanced life and um, uh, with sports and with uh, learning and with more activities or more participation in the community. So so to make it more more more. Uh, happy for for their life. Uh, you, you mentioned some of these amazing activities that the Boys and Girls uh, Clubs Association is offering. Uh, how do parents who might be interested? Um, how how can they get their kids to join? And are they for free? Uh, well, we 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 offer activities at a very reasonable price, and uh, we have a very um, conscious. We are very conscious or very focused on. Uh, beside uh, providing services for the kids, we provide services for the family. So, so for example, our after-school care services every year we have um, we have uh, uh, sports days to um, invite parents and the kids to join the sports days together. So this year we ran that at Wukaisa, our campsite. So so everyone went out and they have a great day then. So so. It, well, it is important to create memories, uh, happy memories for the family. And what is the age group that this catering for? Well, this one is for primary school students. Uh, so we talked earlier about the problem that primary school children, I mean, they can't actually <laughs> go there themselves. Um, how do, do you have any solutions themselves? You know, the parents are busy at work, the kids are stuck at home. What, what, uh, what can you offer? Well, for example, that... Um, uh, we offer some after-school care uh, services for for the primary school students, usually in neighborhoods. So, uh, kids uh, is easier to come, and then and after work, the parents can come to take the the kids back. And of course, in, in the in the program, we have many activities. Sports is one of them. So we try to encourage the kids, and we stay every day together to engage in sports and other group games, activities, so that they are more socialized and they have more good health beside learning. So we have good relationship with them, and, uh, and uh, more important than that, and, and they, we, can, we can help the family to support them and, um, and, uh, so, that, so that they can uh, have a more closer relationship and better relationship. Yeah, one of, your, one of the findings in your survey is that it's actually gotten worse over the pandemic. I mean, yeah. for three years, the children are just not used to being outside and doing physical exercise. How yeah. bad is that situation exactly, and what are you doing to well, resolve I that? Give, I, yeah, i give you a number. Okay. So before that, we have another survey on um, uh, sports and happiness. And uh, at that time in 2018... Uh, the median time for moderate and vigorous act, uh, physical activity per day for a kid is 36 minutes. Okay. But now in tw uh, 2023, we have only only 30 each day. So so you can see the decrease, and um, and uh, of course, and we can see that in this summer we organize uh, lots of outdoor activities, and they were very very popular. So they just pop up, and then the, the, all the places are gone. So, 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 <laughs> so it's, it's sort of yeah. We try to chase back those those days that uh, we lack of activities, and um, and uh, well, we, we 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 slowly chase back, and and I think we we find later. And in that thirty minutes um, of activities, what are these children actually doing? Are they are they 
I mean, you can't even play a, a decent sport game within 30 minutes part of the time. Well, for for that for that uh, 30 minutes, and uh, sometimes they can do something outdoor, which is oh. uh, yeah, which is which is uh, uh, they can they can uh, uh, ignore the the, okay. the physical yeah distance. Okay. Like Thank that. you very much um, for your time. And so that was Billy Lau from the ex- executive director of from the Boys and Girls Association. Um, we were talking about how Hong Kong children really need to be doing more sport. Uh, we are coming up to 10 o'clock for the news. Um, say thank you, Janice, for joining us today and also our producer, Raphael, and our technician, James.